毎度、Made it in Japan Podcast のホスト、エリオット・コンティです。第17話へようこそ。今回は手短に挨拶をして、そのままインタビューに流れていきたいので、早速に本日のゲストを紹介したいと思います。では、本日のゲストは、イギリスから来たエンターテインメントの達人、エッド・シーランです。あ、すいません。名前を間違えた。えっと、エッド・ダガーズさんですね。はい。えっと、エッドさんは、まあ、実は僕が大阪に住んでた時からの知り合いですが、えー、本人が8年前、えー、2011年に、えー、来,日を来,来日をしたスタンドアップコメディアンです。はい。で、それ以降、えー、すぐに、ロー r コメディクラブを開いてですね、えー、数年継続して、えー、行くうちに、まあ、大阪のアメリカ村にあるバー L&L、えー、というところで定着してきました最初に経験と名声もなくあのなかなか苦労されたんですけれどもエッドさんと、まあ、彼の周りにいるコメディアンたちの、ねねね、粘り強さの結果、えーまあ、現在、えー、広く知られるように、えー、なってきていますインタビューで、えー、コメディについていろいろと話してますけれども、実はポッドキャストに招いたのはそれだけではなく、えー、昨年から本人が手書きていることにも注目した方からですね。でそれは昨年の夏場に彼の双子、はい、彼双子いるんですけども、えー、と一緒にエスケープ大阪っていう、えー、脱出ゲームですねを開業して、えー、今マネージャーをやってますで僕はポッドキャストまでこの脱出ゲーム、えー、について知識がほとんどなかったので、えー、脱出ゲームについてはものすごく面白く、えー、聞けたんですが、まあ、エッドさんの試みは現在成功していてあの今2番目と3番目、えー、っていうふうにまあ拡大計画を練っているところです外国人の若い世代にとって、えー、エッドさんがまあ歩んできた道はしさび深いものだと思いますし本人が自ら作ったニッチに誇りを持ってほしいところですねでコメディアンだけあって、まあ、あの話も人柄もなかなかよくえー、ロールコメディクラブも英語ができる皆さんに強く強くおすすめしたいです実は、えー、今ちょうど土曜日の、えー、午後7時なんで、えー、あと2時間ぐらいで、あのー、大阪の方でショーが始まるところですねチャンスがあれば皆さんぜひ行ってみてください、えー、ロールコメディクラブもエスケープ大阪も、あのー、リンクをディスクリプションのところには記載してますので興味のある方大阪を訪れる方々ぜひぜひ行ってくださいでは次のエピソードまでお元気で Thanks for tuning in to the Made in Japan podcast everyone as always host Elliot Conti greeting you on an extremely humid Saturday evening in Osaka So、uh, I'm gonna cut straight through the housekeeping and go right into introducing today's guest I'm really pleased to bring you an interview with Mr. Ed Daggers, a British stand up comedian slash entrepreneur、uh, of sorts. Ed moved to Osaka eight years ago and subsequently started Roar Comedy Club.、Uh, 
Uh, in the interview, he describes the various trials and tribulations of starting up, but Roar has now turned into the epicenter of stand-up comedy in Osaka. Uh, stationed in L&L, which is a bar in central Osaka City, they do two shows a week plus an open mic, and the operation only seems to be getting bigger. During the, the podcast, we discuss whether or not I will make it to the Saturday night show, uh, which they were planning later that evening. Uh, I'm pleased to say that I did make it back, and I gotta say, they are very good. Uh, it's a diverse group of comedians, they have different styles, and I, I really have to hand it to Ed for developing an excellent product that foreigners from really any country and tourists from all over the world can enjoy. However, that is actually only half of the reason why I wanted to speak with him. Uh, it turns out that last summer, Ed and his twin brother, Ben, started an escape room in downtown Osaka, fittingly called Escape Osaka. Uh, if you are ignorant of escape rooms, which I was prior to the recording, don't worry. He explains the concept quite well, and it really does seem like a, a fun experience. Uh, Either way, Ed's creative side has enabled him to carve out a sort of entertainment niche. And hearing about his experiences and seeing him succeed in this way, I believe should provide hope uh, to listeners and everyone else interested in trying to establish yourself off the beaten path in Japan. I've put up the links for both Roar Comedy Club and Escape Osaka in the description below, so those interested should definitely check it out. Ed and the other comedians at Roar should be gearing up uh, for the Saturday night show starting in about two hours. I wish them the best of luck both tonight and moving forward. Thanks as always for checking in and I'll catch you next time. In peace. Mr. Ed Daggers, let's Mr. do this. Mr. Elliot Conti, hello. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you I for having me. It. Yeah. Uh, so it's been two years or so since I've been in the basement of L and L. Yep. Things have changed. They have indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's turned into a comedy club. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's no longer a basement, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It must have been just mm. around the time you left that we we uh, decided to switch things up. We had we right. had a comedian. A uh, really good comedian from the, from Australia come and visit, okay. and he just gave us a few little tips. I mean, simple stuff like you guys should get a stage. We were like, oh, okay, that's, <laughs> that's something. Right. So right. we went out and bought a stage, yeah. and then we just we had a few radical ideas, and we, just, we were like, ah, why don't we just turn it into the club that we want? So we threw a bit of our own money into it, right? And um, yeah, just changed absolutely everything. It was about a week. Yeah, so yeah. we 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 didn't actually shut down. We didn't we didn't have to cancel any shows. We managed mm. to just sneak it in although we did one show with uh <laughs> before we put the flooring in with just concrete floor mm. which looked pretty rough nice and homey it yeah. was it was pretty homey yeah, yeah. um so yeah, i think we, had, we made some jokes about that in the show yeah, yeah. but yeah we didn't uh, we didn't manage to not have to shut down and yeah, yeah since then the shows have been a lot a lot better i think yeah yeah uh so why don't you explain the background a little bit how you got into well first coming to japan because your accent is not japanese it's not and <laughs> and um, also how you how you got involved in comedy to begin with okay so yeah i'm yeah i'm originally from london mm. and as soon as i was done with university my um 
my twin brother Ben, was, who was living in China at the time, mm. um, invited me out to go and, and visit him. And okay. I love. I just had so much fun there, and decided to stay there. So my, my brother and I had lived in different countries for years and years. So it was kind of nice right. to get back together and, and, and hang out together. So I, I went to China without really much of a plan, teaching English and stuff there. Mm. When was this? Early this 2000s? was two thousand six, I think. Okay. Um, and just didn't leave. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't leave. I was there. So we were there for like five years, and. and right. Throughout that time, did loads of just loads of weird jobs, um, oh. and eventually, just before I, I so anyway, I, as far as the comedy goes, yeah, yeah, I started doing comedy in Shanghai. Oh, really? So my very first comedy show was there. I was this is a bit of a long story, but I was a I was mm. a, a piano teacher, and okay. someone randomly gave me a call because there was an improv group doing a show and they needed a pianist, and that was not my <laughs> thing at all. I was like teaching Chopin to. Right, right, right. You're a classical pianist. Classical pianist. Yeah. So it wasn't really my thing. Yeah. But I thought, hey, you know, I'll give it a go. If they don't have anyone else, I'll, I'll do it. I did right. it. I really enjoyed it. And then I started regularly playing piano for an improv group. Mm. Then randomly saw my name on the list of actual games, like <laughs> players. So I was like, oh shit, I've got to be funny now. So then I, I, <laughs> I, I started performing improv regularly there. Mm. And then just before I left, one of the guys from the improv started a stand-up thing there. Mm. and I decided to go and give it a go. I was talked into doing five minutes. Yeah. Did it once, loved it, absolutely loved it. And then when I moved to Japan, mm. with one show under my belt, I was the most experienced stand-up comedian. So there was no stand-up scene, so I had to sort of right. start something up here. Right, I, I'd right. already gotten the bug for doing it. I like, loved, like the one show I did, even though I have, I have a video of it and it's horrendous, it is. Humility. Mm. It is awful, but at the time <laughs> I felt like it was quite good. Yeah, and it was—you know—I mean, there was enough there to work with, so sure, give sure. enough of a buzz to carry on doing it. So yeah, started. Um, one of the very first things I did when I got here was look around for some um, possible, yeah, yeah, so or possible venues to, to start doing it. Right. So why did you come to Japan now? If you were set up in China, um, China was fun, but it was mental. China was just mm. a really, really, really crazy, crazy place, man. Crazy, crazy place. It's yeah. kind of good if you're in your tw maybe early twenties, but when you're in getting mm. into your thirties, it's like nah, I probably okay. want to move somewhere else. And I think my brother had, had broken up with his fiance or something at the time, and he oh, really, right. he was right ready on. to leave. And we had friends okay. who who'd rec recommended Osaka, and we were like, oh, yeah. we'll give it a go. Again, we did not know how long would be and that was 2011 okay wow so right after the earthquake yeah uh, when you say right <laughs> after it was about we flew about three or four days afterwards wow so you can imagine everyone all the family were calling and say you're not going yeah it's yeah a, sure. it's godzilla's about to arrive and right. stuff like it was just that was <laughs> when there was like the, the huge amount of fear mongering and stuff no yeah, well, yeah. To be fair, no one knew what was going on okay. yeah but I don't want some sushi. Let's, let's, go, <laughs> let's go give it a try. Right, right. So you came over and you were in Osaka from the start, yeah? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And now, how did you support yourself? Because I don't imagine that um, you. Yeah. Very badly. Okay. Horrendously badly. <laughs> My yeah. plan. So I, I, I taught English for a bit in um, Shanghai and then okay. moved out, moved into piano teaching, and I was done with English mm. teaching at that stage. I really didn't want to teach anymore. Right. Right. So. Um, I decided when I moved to Japan I wasn't going to teach English and I was going to mm. try and make it as a piano teacher. Mm. The comedy was not even, I mean, that was not even a pipe It's not dream. even an option. It was, not, it was just yeah. a nothing. It was a, I'd done it once, so that was like a yeah. fun little hobby. But um, yeah. I decided I was going to teach piano. So I was studying uh, 
uh, uh, language school here mm. and trying to build up some students and it was a complete disaster mm. it was it, I used to have a joke about how I was um, I was um, what was the joke I can't remember what was it? I was I was um, self unemployed they <laughs> say because I was starting this like, this business with no customers so right, I had right. I had a couple <laughs> of people that I was teaching yeah. but it was it was pretty rough going and then eventually had to for, for financial and visa purposes had to start teaching some English yeah yeah um, which was quite humbling no no I, I, not yeah, to I disrespect any other English teachers but I'd just done it for years and years I did I did it for about six years in China and I was just done with that I just didn't yeah. want to do it and it, was, it just wasn't for me there are limitations to how many times you can sing the, in, the ABC there are, in there the days are the and I definitely and reached that I reached <laughs> that after about year two yeah. and I still did it for another few years yeah um, uh, but one of the things that kept me here was the comedy. Like that was mm. one of the reasons that I stayed because I had this community of, of, of friends that I was doing it with, right. and it was sort of growing into something. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't want to leave, uh, partly because of that, to be honest. Right. Well, you said you were searching for a venue, and yeah. now obviously you settled here in L and L, right? Yeah. And how did you go go about sort of searching, and what were your your conditions? Well, when starting we, your, your uh, the, the beginning, they were very loose. So we, uh, the first right. place we did Just shows... Just play, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the very first place we did was uh, in Tennoji. Okay. Do you know Tins Hall? No, I don't. It's, a, it's quite a well-known venue. They do quite a lot of live events and okay. stuff. Okay, okay. Um, and the very first show, I don't know, we worked really, really, really hard on it. Like we, So the guy who runs it was nice, actually, and he, and, and he was happy to, to have us. Yeah. We brought loads of customers. I think our first mm. gig, we got about... 50, 60 people there. Really? And it was friends and friends of friends and, right, and stuff. Right. I don't know. Like we, we, we didn't exactly have a wonderful marketing machine, right. but we got people out and we worked really hard. For most people, it was their first ever time doing stand-up on stage. And yeah. considering that, I think it's actually really quite good. Um, mm. um, and then we tried to repeat it a month later. Mm. And being the naive people we are we, we we decided to write entirely different jokes because we thought that's what you had to do right so we just <laughs> we just wrote another 10 minutes of jokes routine, each yeah. um and so it, it, was, it was i mean i think even the second one was all right but we got a way smaller audience and in fact it was all uh. different people so we were like well, we probably could have just done the same stuff right, but right. we didn't learn that lesson for about a year probably for about a year i think we tried to write a whole new set every single every time. single <laughs> time and we so we were doing shows about once a month the problem yeah. with that venue yeah it was quite a big problem is they wouldn't um i think we at the beginning we didn't charge for t we didn't charge entry mm. and um so then you'd get loads of people there who weren't for the show right so we had, right. i remember one there was a massive born kai going on and just a group of <laughs> of drunk japanese yeah. business people and it was yeah. like we were interrupting their party uh, their party yeah. so that was really <laughs> rough and I think I was like the the final straw really so then we, we yeah we we decided we c we weren't going to play a venue that wasn't just dedicated for, the, for comedy mm. um, and then I think we 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 also bounced around we did gigs at other spots we did one in the old cooler bar okay so it's an Aussie bar um, we did one in a pizza restaurant <laughs> in slices um, yeah. so we did we did we sort of had a bit of variety we weren't yeah. tied to one place right and then we used to do open mics here mm. um, and it just sort of worked and then we had a good relationship with the bar right and 
it just seemed like the best fit. So eventually mm. we then moved, we then started doing weekly shows. We started doing once a week. Right. And that right. was a big, big, big change. That was, must have been like maybe five years ago. I think four or five okay. years ago we started doing weekly shows instead of monthly shows. Right, right. And then that really cemented, like, established it as a comedy club. Right, right. So where did the name come from? Why don't you explain that a little uh, bit for the listeners? We're going to lose quite a few of our listeners. <laughs> so it's called ROR Comedy Club, Raw Comedy yeah. Club. And it just came from our very first brainstorming session when we yeah. were, all the comedians were getting together and having some drinks. What should we be called? We wanted something Japanese. And one, um, one guy suggested Ralph Out Loud. Right, right. And we thought it would be quite funny. Yeah. Um, some people have taken offense. There was, we did a show in Kyoto. <laughs> we did a show in Kyoto. We reached out to one of the magazines and the guy said, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be part of this <laughs> clearly racist event. It's like, oh, hang on a minute. You you speak Japanese, don't you? Elliot? Yeah. R and L are the same. Is the same letter. Right. Right. It's not. It's it's right. it's, 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 a, it's it's not. It's a point of fact. It's right. not. It's just pointing out that it's, it's exactly the same letter, and it's, right. it's hopefully it's light-hearted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that's where the name came. Mm. Maybe if I could go back and, <laughs> and change rebrand it, rebrand it, rebrand it, I might do. But you know what? <laughs> it's got a very special place in my heart now. So I guess it's just it's just Royal Comedy Club. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what what kind of uh, material do you do personally? Now, obviously, I think it's probably evolved over time. But uh, do you? Yeah. Your your audience, they're not Japanese, right? No. They're mainly tourists. They're who are almost through, all right? tourists. Yeah. yeah. So how do you? But you've been living in Japan for the last what? You know, uh, almost ten years now. So it's been yeah, so it's been a while. How do you how do you sort of package that for the the tourist audience? Um, we we had a bit of a so we used to when we started we did almost only Japan stuff we mm. would only talk about Japan and most of our audience were expats and that obviously clicked uh, really well okay. yeah. then once we started getting loads of tourists we kind of started doubting ourselves and we were like wow they're not going to understand any of the Japan stuff let's do right. more maybe more general stuff right and we did that for a little bit and then we got some feedback it was a review on TripAdvisor saying mm. I, I was a bit disappointed there wasn't that much stuff about Japan and huh. when we sort of realized, okay, these are tourists, they could they could, could potentially go and watch comedy anywhere. Right. They're doing it in Japan, so there should be something of Japan in it. So then we tried to kind of combine the two. So mm. there's quite a lot of j j Japanese material, mm. but it's all packaged in a way that tourists can understand. So we make sure there's no inside jokes that right, only right. expats will go, or right. will get. Like we don't say even gaijin, we wouldn't even use the word gaijin. Right, because right tourists won't understand that so right. we make sure if we use any Japanese that it's all explained and we try yeah. and do concepts that people who are arriving here will, will relate to yeah yeah so how many comedians currently come through the club there are eight regular performers eight regulars or okay. regular wow. or semi-regular yeah yeah here. and then we get guest acts coming through fairly regularly we get a few big mm. names we get quite a few sort of um, famous acts of the circuit and especially from England and some mm. TV acts and stuff some YouTube stars and things but most yeah. of the time it's yeah it's the our core of comedians here yeah yeah right on and so you said that uh, around five years ago you you changed to a weekly yes yeah uh, a weekly schedule and that sort of helped cement your status as a, as a yeah it and also helped us as yeah. performers just a huge amount because get your reps in yeah exactly yeah. And, and then and then about two years ago we switched to um twice a week mm. so friday and saturday and that was massive mm. 
Then Friday and Saturday. You Friday. have a show tonight? We have a show tonight, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'll try to stop by then. <laughs> All right, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. What time is it starting at? It's at 9 o'clock. Okay. Okay. I won't be there at the start, but I'll try to... How, how, what's the, the time frame? It will just before 11. We've got a fairly okay. full okay. lineup of comedians, so it'll probably, we'll probably use our whole allotted time. It'll be close to 11, yeah. All right, yeah. I'll definitely try to <laughs> stop back in then, because, yeah. Got some dinner plans before that, but I'll, I'll try to be back There'll then. be at least one comedian who you've never seen before. Yeah? For sure, yeah. Is this a guest tonight, or mm. a regular? Who's um, a regular who joined about a year ago. Super, super funny guy from Trinidad. Really? We've got, that's one of the nice things, is we've got such a good mix of, of comedians from all over. Like, so, mm. um, I'm, I'm from England, we've yeah. got um, a couple of comedians from Canada, uh, mm. America, mm. New Zealand, uh, Brazil, Trinidad. Right. right. Um, and yeah, so that, that's really nice for us that we, it's, and on all very different styles of comedy as well. Yeah, yeah, this is a diverse group. Um, so you move then into the the Saturday, or sorry, the Friday Saturday schedule. Oh yeah, that was then, brutal at first. So yeah. we uh, we were really worried. Like our big worry was that mm. well, we weren't exactly overselling shows on the Friday. It wasn't like we were sold out or anything. Mm. We were just about getting by, and then when we started doing the Saturdays, they were dead. So we'd, hmm. they, they were so dead, and in fact, it reduced the numbers from the Friday a little bit because, right, were, right. you know, they, they, we were splitting our audience, and that was sort of our worry. And so after about a month of that, we almost packed it in, but we, we stuck at it. And then the very hmm. next month, the very next week, we got a really good turnout on the Saturday, and we're like, okay, maybe this hmm. is something. Now, obviously, it's not we're not totally full every um, sh- every show. Sometimes right. we'll have a busy Friday and a quiet Saturday, or vice versa. And right, we can't... Right. we there's no pattern to it there's just no pattern yeah, yeah at all we have yeah. no idea w- which is going to be the busy night but mm. generally recently we've been on a f- super good run of, of having like full genki audiences <laughs> yeah for non-japanese yeah. listeners genki means high energy right right whatever exactly. they, they know, energy. They know, they know yeah. what genki means yeah just means genki really doesn't it so yeah we don't really have a word for it uh Excellent. And so right now, is, is comedy your main focus then? Uh, no, it's not. Mm. What a wonderful segue, Elliot. It is. <laughs> it is so I, it's, it's an eternal, ever-present thing uh, in my life, but uh, it doesn't make a great deal of money. Um, oh, you don't say and, it. No, and since I'm not um, desperate to go back to English teaching, yeah, I, right. I was... <laughs> really looking for another another source of income and another project mm. and it was just over a year ago about a year and a half ago actually i was in holland with my mm. then girlfriend and wanted Ooh. to book something fun for her birthday yeah. so i found an escape room an escape room in, okay. in holland yeah and it had really good reviews and it was in english and i was like oh, we'll try it out yeah. and we did it and it was really fun mm. and that very night i just had the idea of opening one in Japan I just thought there's nothing like that in English mm. I'd heard about these Japanese escape rooms and I'd always wanted to try one but I knew my language level wasn't quite good enough right right I mean I know the word genki and <laughs> Gaiji, but, <laughs> but it was, it's not quite good enough so right. I thought yeah if you can't do one why not just why not make one so I called right, my right. brother right. and said would you like to do it and yeah. he was like okay sure so we then started planning mm. it then and as soon as I got back to Japan we started looking around for um, 
possible places to do it. Right. Found one that was about 20 seconds from our house, literally. Okay. It's, it's literally wow. about 20 seconds from the apartment building that we live in. And mm. um, yeah, got to, got to work on it. And it took about six months to build, I think, mm. and, and went about three times over budget. Yeah. But that's what, these things happen. that's what happens yeah. with these things. Yeah. Um, and we initially, it was bilingual, it was, it was uh. English and Japanese, quadlingual. We did it in, in Korean Chinese. and Chinese, but we had no Korean guests and no Chinese guests. Uh. And for the first, I'd say two or three months, we had zero Japanese customers, zero. So yeah. we were just relying on tourists and, mm. and expats. Mm. Now, I know this is, it, it seems maybe fairly obvious, but go back to the concept of the escape room. Oh, right, yeah. I know, yeah, and I know, I've, actually. I've never been to one, actually. A lot of people I've, don't know yeah. what it is. So an escape room is kind of a real-life um, puzzle experience. So you mm. will be in a room, um, and there's usually a, a backstory there and yeah. there's all v a variety of different themes ours is called dark zen or the existing one is called dark zen dark zen um, okay and the the story is that uh, you, it's an old an old japanese room mm. um which used to be a monastery and a mysterious monk bonta nakamura mm. uh, <laughs> who was practicing a, a, a banned form of um of meditation called dark zen yeah um, was about to be thrown out of the order okay. for, for repeatedly um, practicing it. It was very dangerous, this, this, this dark zen, because mm. apparently it could bend the laws of space and time. Oh, okay. And uh, while they were deciding what to do with him, they locked him in his room. Yeah. They decided unanimously that he was going to be kicked out of the order. Mm. But once they opened the door to tell him, uh, he'd disappeared from a locked dun, dun, room. Dun, dun. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's where he started, yeah? Yeah, okay. and so you have to solve the... Uh, puzzles and figure out what happened to Bonta Nakamura. Okay. So is it like a, a maze? It's or not a maze, no. Yeah. Actually, so mm. the, one of, our, one of the, the principles we had was we didn't want it to look like an escape room or like a puzzle room. We wanted mm. it to look like a normal uh, washitsu, like a Japanese room. Okay. That's, okay. that's my third word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good at this Japanese bit. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted it to look like a normal room. So yeah. we all of the puzzles are related to things you might find in a Japanese room. Okay. It's got the tatami, it's got the right. cushions and things, the zabithons. So it's got all of the sort of things. It's got a, a traditional table, the tea, mm. the the teapot, right. and all of the sort of simple everyday things in the room all have some sort of hidden function. Okay, so these are all clues then? These are all clues and there's a bunch of m interesting mechanical things and some crazy electronic stuff as well. So mm. there's a lot of, but it looks very, very low tech. Okay. And there's a okay. few interesting surprises in there as well. Um, so yeah, you're, you're in what is kind of a cool space to be. Right. And loads of weird, interesting things are happening while you're in there. Right, right. Um, but the new one we're making is, is uh, called The Dame and the Diamond, and that's um, a 1940s American detective story. And the, our goal with this is to make it the closest you could possibly get to being in a film noir movie. Very cool. And we've really, 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 we're working like crazy to try and finish this thing. But that yeah. is essentially, it. it's not, there are, of course there are puzzles in there, but the mm. puzzles guide the, 
the story so they mm. pushed the story forwards um, and me and one of the other comedians from ROR um, and my brother are writing the script for it so there's quite a lot of jokes and stuff in there so it should be quite uh, quite a funny experience as well yeah so customers pay right they come they yep. enter the escape room they uh, have this experience where they're solving the clues and figuring out what happened to uh, was it Bonta, Bonta Nakamura yeah yeah uh, how long does this how long does this take is there a time limit there or is, so it's what? up to an hour oh okay so you've got up okay, to an so hour and then yeah. give it like I mean we'll, we'll uh, we're usually a bit lax sometimes so we'll, we'll mm. give people a bit of extra time we can also give them hints and things if they need it our goal is mm. for people to figure it all out so right. we'll, we'll nudge them along if they um, if they need it right the right. main I think the problem that a lot of escape rooms have is it's a trade-off between the sort of satisfaction of solving puzzles and the frustration mm. of right, not right. being able to do it. So we try, we always try and minimise frustration. So ours is not the most insanely difficult um, mm. escape room, and mm. we're more than happy to give people clues. We're not trying to, st we're not trying to trick them and stump them. We want them, right. to, we want them to solve it. Right. Right. And so the new one that you're starting, is this going to be at the same place or is this a totally no, separate it's a, location? it's a different location. It's um, the, the space we had, I mean, there's just, that's it. There's only space for one room. Right, right. And if we'd known how it would have sort of grown, we would have probably gone for a bigger space to start with. But mm. um, the new space we're getting is actually on two floors. So we're going to build a third one as soon as this one is done. And where are these located? The, so the first one we have is in Daikokucho. Okay. About yeah. five Central minutes from the Osaka. station. Yeah, yeah, not far from Number JR. Um, and that's called Dark Zen. And then the, the next one is called The Dame and the Diamond, and that is in Nipponbashi. Or it's between Nipponbashi mm. and nice. Ebisucho. So again, that's only about seven or eight minutes from the station. It's in Denden now. Right. So okay. In the yeah. electronic, the electric <laughs> geeky part of town, which right. does comprise a huge amount of our customer base, <laughs> especially the yeah. Japanese. The Japanese um, customers, a lot of sort of escape room geeks. Some of them have done hundred. One guy thinks he's done a thousand escape rooms. One That's guy crazy. That That's crazy. So I've done zero. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> it's one of those things that you get yeah. you get addicted to it. Right, right. So once right. you've done a couple of good ones then that's why there's a bit of I always feel a bit of pressure if people, if it's people's mm. first time, mm. you really, really want them to enjoy it. Because sure. if they go to an escape room and it's not a good one or it's too difficult or mm. things are broken or it just doesn't make sense, mm. they might just think they don't like escape rooms. When in fact yeah. they just went to a, a dud one. So I always feel a bit of a responsibility if it's people's first time that they really, really, really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, can, yeah, sure. So that they know how much fun they can be. Right, right. <coughs> so, when uh, do you plan to start the the your newest project here? Then uh, the new one we plan to start last February. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> it's, it's a bit behind schedule. Yeah. Uh, hopefully next month. Yeah. Hopefully next month. And what's the project team here? You said is it three of you? Who There's are three owners, so there are three okay. of us who own it, and we've written yeah. the script and designed all the puzzles. We right. have a, a genius. Uh, electrician friend who we've flown mm. over from Germany to wire the whole thing up and do loads of the crazy really? technical wow. things. He's well. amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we have another friend who's based in Osaka called Ryan who okay. who runs um, Osaka Makerspace which is a really okay. cool 
um, place where people can go whenever they've got little projects or big projects that need doing and he can just do anything really out of woodwork metal work he's helped oh, okay. us in, he's worked some complete miracles yeah, yeah he, he, incredible so his name's Ryan and Ryan is be working basically full time as well for us so there's wow. um, a core of five of us who are working really hard on this yeah and, and then once it gets started up what does it take to run an escape room in terms of like staff? Yeah, so you, we need we need one member of staff there per session, oh, um, okay. and there's about there's there's quite a bit of training involved because you've got they've mm. got to learn the inner workings of everything. They've got to learn troubleshooting, what happens when things don't work. Right, right. Um, so we've got about five or six staff who mm. cover pretty much all of the sessions. Okay. So oh. at the moment, and obviously with opening the second room, we're yeah. going to be a lot busier, so we might have to get some more staff. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I maybe do a couple of sessions a week that our regular staff can't, right, can't right. handle. Cover there. Yeah. yeah. So where did your, your entrepreneurial sort of creativity come from, right? Because it seems like ever since you left London, you've been figuring <laughs> your way out, doing I, new things. Yeah. I do think mm. a huge amount of it comes from an inability to have a regular normal job. Uh. I think I've, I've had, I've just been, I've done a couple of normal jobs and I've been so badly suited to them. I've, I've got mm. fired from a couple of jobs early on. There you go. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm really, I don't think I'm cut out for, for regular work in life. Right, right. Um, I'm not many people are. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. It, it, they it just is. convince themselves that that's the best way. Yeah, but I mean, some people love the structure that, that right. they get from a regular job, and sure. some people are good at taking direction. Um, I'm, I'm really not. I'm not right. saying it's like I'm some massive like uh, motorbike riding rebel who doesn't no, wanna, no. who doesn't want to listen to the man. It's just right. I just I just tend to struggle I just prefer mm. to do my own thing yeah so part of it is that um, the in terms of being like leadership yeah that was a skill I don't think I developed until the, the comedy taught me that really mm. um, I tried to run it as a democracy at first and, yeah. and didn't make any decisions and nothing got done and I just realized okay I've got to start actually making decisions and doing stuff myself right and yeah, weirdly, the more like harsh and strict there was, and like this is what we're doing, mm. laying down the law, the more people just respected. Right, right. It, so yeah, that then through that, I've just become a power hungry uh, <laughs> <laughs> megalomaniac. So yeah, that's yeah. been a nice benefit. Yeah, yeah. But I'm comfortable. Yeah. I'm now in a position. I'm feel comfortable mm. um, managing people and and like. I don't know, it doesn't seem that weird to me now to be a, a boss and to be an owner of something. Right. Whereas before the idea was just laughable. It's weird, right? Giving people direction, having <laughs> people uh, take action to sort of actualize your will, right? I mean, I run a very small NPO in Nagoya, but even then, like, uh, sort of uh, acquiring those leadership qualities at first was very foreign to me. It's weird, isn't it? Right, yeah. Uh, I think it, it certainly takes a certain personal, a certain type of personality, right, to be able to sort of stand up and say that if I'm not the one who, who makes that decision, then nothing is going to get done. There's definitely right. a bit of imposter syndrome at the beginning as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. You're like, oh, I'm saying stuff, they're actually listening. 
Right. God. <laughs> what, what happens when they discover that I'm completely... That I have no bullshit. idea what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you eventually you do enough stuff that sort of works and then right. they trust you and then you trust yourself a bit more. Right, right. So uh, what's your next project then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's this eternal thing. So we're, we're yeah. so desperate to finish this escape. And we're like, oh, mm. I can't wait till it's done. Mm. And then when that's done, yeah. <laughs> straight on to the next one. So we're going right, right. to, we're, we're doing another, we've already planned out the story. We've got the space already. We've made a floor plan and stuff and, and, and a few of the puzzles. But the new one is going to be called For Queen and Country. And it is going to be a 60s <laughs> Bond-esque spy story. That's very cool. So it, now you've got so you have a Japanese themed room initially, yep. and now you've got the the film noir American yep. d detective story, now the Bond story, yep. right? So you're really hitting a wide uh, a wide sort of spectrum of the the tourist audience there. Yeah, well, to be honest, so I said when we started, it was to all tourists. Mm. After about, yeah, it was about three months maybe of being open, we had no Japanese people. We got our first ever mm. Japanese customers. Mm. They had come from another escape room, which unfortunately closed down since, um, in, um, where was it? Okayama, I think. Mm. And they really had heard. Escape rooms in I know, but well, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah. they had heard about it. It was another, it was another um, foreigner owned escape room and okay. that had, anyway they'd heard about our room yeah. and had recommended it which was very nice of them yeah. turns out that the guy the, the group who had come one of them was a really really prominent blogger mm. and he wrote a blog about it that got nice over yeah. like I don't know thousands and thousands of, 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 of like views and then mm. one of the people who viewed it was a a Twitter user who had a massive following and then so he tweeted about the blog and that mm. expanded even more mm. and literally overnight we went <laughs> from about well we went we went from 0% Japanese customers to about 90% so right, our business right. expanded basically tenfold right in one day that's incredible and since then it's just gotten more and more busy and now we've virtually like weekends we're virtually fully booked and mm. even in the week we usually get maybe th three sessions a day right wow and our initial uh, like our best case scenario mm. like estimates were that we would get maybe two a day mm. I mean that wow. we were hope we were hoping maybe three on a weekend or something but it's right, been right. insane so we thought we'd, it would take two years to get to get our investment back right. it was six months <laughs> that's incredible so it was really incredible. It, was, it was really an insane yeah. turnaround we, luckily luckily we didn't get the Japanese people in until we were really actually quite established like till mm. we'd ironed out the kinks right because right. when we look back at those early sessions and stuff we had quite a lot of test sessions as well but when right. we were getting our first customers in I, th I mean they really they did really enjoy it but I think we we relied a bit on goodwill and, and, yeah, and sure. a bit of charm and, sure. and by the time we had Japanese people coming we'd kind of ironed out the kinks and it was a lot smoother and more professional that's excellent and now you can you can expand that to your second room and third well, that's room a, and that's capitalize. another reason why yeah. it makes sense to do it because right. a lot of people were really keen to come and do the next ones Mm. We're getting people all the time now tweeting and phoning us and saying, when's the next one open? Yeah, yeah. So we know as soon as we open, we are going to get customers, but right. it's just about making sure that we're ready. Right, we don't right. Wanna, we don't wanna, we're not going to be able to have a second chance at, 
uh, opening up. People only get to do the room once. So yeah, exactly. Really, it's a responsibility. No repeat customers, right? So no repeat customers. It's a difficult some, model. Some people do come and watch their uh, watch their friends do okay. it. So you have people. Um, who have done it, and then they come in watch from the sure, waiting room, sure. watch their friends do it, and, yeah. and uh, that's kind of fun. Um, but luckily, there's quite a lot of Japanese people in Japan, so there's <laughs> not, uh, and there is a big, obviously, a huge tourist market as well. So yeah. there, we're not, we're not too worried about running out of people. And if mm. we ever do, like for example, if if all of the bookings start drying up at Dark Zen, we could, we can remodel it and, and remake all the puzzles mm. and provide a different experience. So that's that's always possible. So without giving away any secrets, uh, what's the most important thing about writing a successful plan for an escape room? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> we've got a few standards for our yeah. rooms. Yeah. Um, and they've gotten stricter. Like f from our first room to our second room, we're much stricter on this. But we don't want anything in the room that shouldn't be in the room that shouldn't be in the room so mm, for example mm, in our mm. in our our new ones it starts in a detective office okay. and there's nothing there's no puzzles there's no obvious puzzles at all it's just everyday objects that you'd find in a detective's office okay so there's pretty much nothing there that looks out of place and that makes i think it makes it so much more immersive mm. at the same time and this makes it even more difficult there's nothing in the room that isn't related to a puzzle so right. everything has to have some sort of function but right. look like it doesn't have a function right. so it's quite right. difficult it's quite difficult to, to pull off but yeah, yeah. for us it, the immersion is super super important mm. um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of, it's hard to give examples without giving stuff sure, away sure. we'll just make something like even this teacup right it's yeah. <laughs> something that uh, it, there it's has not, to be a reason for place, it to be there right but the clue itself is not obvious Exactly. Yeah. Right, but there is something that can be gleaned from examining. I don't know how much tea is left in the cup. Yeah, or something exactly. Like <laughs> something like that. Right. Or, or another thing is, you want everything to have a function, but you don't want the room to look barren and empty. Mm. So we there's a couple of sneaky things. I can tell you this. So there's a bookcase oh. in there. Oh, I know. <laughs> Spoiler alert! You don't have to come anymore now. You, <laughs> you figured it all out. But there, there's a bookcase in yeah. there. Um, we built we built a bookcase from scratch actually because we uh, my German friend shouted at me when I suggested oh. getting an IKEA Billy bookcase because I thought <laughs> it would look good. It's like you're spending all this money on the escape room. Uh -huh. Everything has to be perfect, and you buy a Billy bookcase. <laughs> he, he was livid. He yeah. was livid. So we built a handmade one and mashed it and smashed it to pieces because it's supposed to look like a, you're a bad uh, detective. Okay. But we built this whole bookcase yeah. with a whole bunch of files in there, and mm. there's one odd coloured file. Mm. And inside that odd coloured file, so all mm. the files are the same colour with the exception of one, and inside is one little scrap of paper mm. that leads you to something. Mm. That entire bookcase was for the function of having one little bit of paper. Right, right. <laughs> but it allows us to have something in the, a whole file of, of, of books, of, of, sorry, a whole bookcase of files. Mm. Um, in there without it being a red herring right right that seems yeah it seems like quite a task right it, it, everything everything is sort of built into that initial planning right and in, in yeah initial you've got a little bit of wiggle room but so one mm. thing is is as I said like making everything immersive making it right. um, everything seem like it fits in the room another thing is an overarching story mm. 
that's really really important I think okay. to, to, so they're not just solving a bunch of puzzles yeah yeah they are figuring things out that, that push the story forwards right right yeah that's that's super interesting man I'm, I'm excited to perhaps go try it try it I'm out I'm excited now. for people to actually <laughs> I really really want it to be open but yeah, yeah. it sounds some of that sounds a bit high concept I don't, mm. but hopefully when yeah when people do the room they will they will mm. see what we're what we're going for is there an age range no, uh, um, can kids do it kids is can it? do it yeah if yeah. they're too young it's just not gonna they're not gonna, gonna have be the over their head they're not yeah. gonna have the attention span but we oh, have okay. had we've had some pretty young kids do it and, and really enjoy it so I yeah. think from about from about eight upwards is absolutely fine mm. um, actually I worry slightly more about the older yeah. crowd if they're in their yeah. like 60s and 70s then it, it's, it can be really tough like they just really well that's like half the people in Japan man uh, yeah we're losing <laughs> a lot of our market that's true yeah. yeah you might have to sort of retarget re, yeah reorient your, your, your marketing there to yeah. make one for, for elderly people then you get into the real Japanese market yeah. right <laughs> but well anyway actually that's a that's a little segue let's just talk uh, back about where we are uh, we're here in Japan you've lived here now for almost 10 years what are your plans moving forward? You know, you've got various, you've got the comedy, you've got the escape room, you've got various business ventures going on right now. Is this long term or does I it have? I think it is. Yeah. I, I have to say that one of the reasons I think I'm doing kind of weird, unusual stuff is because I haven't mm. made long term plans. I, it's because mm -hmm. I've, I tend to be fairly spontaneous. Okay. Um, and I think that has allowed me to, to be a sort of take weird opportunities when they arise sure. and make it make some sort of fairly brave risky decisions yeah yeah um so i haven't i haven't thought too deeply about future plans i mean i'll be definitely booked up for the next year or so with the new escape room the mm. new new one mm. um with it we're talking we might franchise it and we might so we might either franchise it or design some escape rooms for um, other companies in other countries so that's okay. possible there's okay. also we're probably going to collaborate with some people in Tokyo on a room there there, there you go yeah. so that's something there's a, uh, we've got a really really nice guy actually called, um, Takahashi uh, oh, what is it? Um, yeah, Takahashi son. let's that's go with Takahashi yeah. um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a comedian um, oh, yeah. on a show called Sabanna okay. he plays a chair apparently um, but he's really famous, mm. like mega. Fa he's so famous that I can't remember his first name. But he's um, he's complete household name. Yeah. Here he did our room. Really, really liked it and mm. lovely. We swapped line details and stuff, and so we've been chatting quite a lot. Ben went to visit him in Tokyo. He also runs his own little escape room there. Really? Yeah, wow. it's called something like the Mystery Toilet, and it's a uh, it's quite <laughs> cool. It's you you is a two person cooperative um, escape room where you're in adjoining toilet cubicles, and you have to like um, figure out clues and and help each other escape. I think it's the basic gist of it. Yeah. it's only a short one. It's about yeah about fifteen minutes. But yeah, okay. he runs that one. And my brother went and did it in Tokyo. Really yeah. liked it. And he'd like to collaborate with us on something. Nice. So that that would be nice. kind of cool. So we might yeah. do that. Comedy-wise, we're gonna try and just 
just keep on we've just started an open mic here so we're gonna so we've we're doing three nights a week now we're now doing tuesdays as well so we're trying to get like any, any people who have got a burning desire to try comedy for the first time can do it so we're yeah. trying to build up a little community of, of open micers and we can try out new stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, personally i'm doing a bit of trying to do a bit more touring i'm doing i'm going back to london this month to do some mm. comedy in the uk so nice. i do that about twice a year and play like some big clubs in london which is obviously very exciting yeah yeah um and i did, I did some gigs in australia recently and i'm mm. gonna try and get more sort of paid work in around asia okay so let's move into sort of uh wrapping things up a little bit um you've really carved out sort of an interesting niche i think for yourself doing you know doing different uh projects here you're one of the few people who ha has not taught english in japan long yet term figured out long term right that, but has, has sort of figured out a way for himself so i was wondering if you had uh any advice for you know foreigners who are planning on coming to japan or people who have just arrived maybe people in that english teaching job who are looking to get out uh in terms of you know from your experience any, anything you might have to say to them for sort of finding your way in Japan? I will say it's definitely possible. It's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult, uh, but it's definitely possible. You have to find something. I think find something that people don't realize mm. they need or they want. Yeah. I mean, what I'm doing is obviously all in the entertainment sure. sort of field. So I'm. I'm all right, bye bye. Um, I'm <laughs> but I'm LNL staff just popping upstairs. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing st I mean, what I'm doing is not changing the world, mm. but it's changing entertainment in it, it, it's Minami Osaka. It, 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 it's, I don't know, what I'm, I'm, what I'm doing feels like what I should be doing, right? Um, first of all, it's something I'm suited to, so I think you have to do something that you really really believe and you really really care about yeah i don't i think if you come at it from a point of view of what is popular and what will make money mm. you might be all right but the amount of time you have to pour into these things i think you have to love it mm. so I think you have to have a, a, some i mean it's, it's kind of it's very very difficult for me to say really when we started when we started the comedy yeah. there was not really I don't think there was a massive demand for it maybe I suppose English language entertainment there's always going to be some demand for sure. it yeah. but it took so long to develop into something decent mm. that if we didn't love it it would it, it, it would have died it, out it would have died very very early on yeah. certainly if we'd gone at it from a uh, point of view of trying to make money it would have been a disaster because mm. firstly it wouldn't have been good enough for people to spend money on right. it took years <laughs> for it to get good enough to re you know I me mean, to really right, warrant right. now we're really happy with all the customers we're getting but i felt like we've we've we had to work so hard to improve to get good enough you know to to, to actually justify that sure si similar with the escapement we put a lot of money and a lot of time in mm. we didn't know if we'd get any of it back mm. but part of it was we really wanted this thing to exist right Right. So we didn't come at, 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 uh, from a point of view of escape rooms are popular. Let's build an escape room. Right. It was more escape rooms are really cool. We'd like to. Uh, we've got our own ideas for. for yeah. We've done a few escape rooms actually. We we did a bit of market research and we didn't do any that we really really liked. They all had lots of stuff that we kind of bugged mm. us and we thought if I did one I'd change it. Um, I'd change this this and this. So right. when we started the escape room, it was kind of with that in mind. We weren't really trying to imitate something else. 
we actually right, so right. I think if you I think you have to have a good idea yeah yeah I think you really have to have a good idea um, Japan does have the advantage that it is so Japanese <laughs> it is so <laughs> Japanese it okay. is so isolated still uh, okay, the okay. that there there's massive gaps in the market there's just massive right. things that, that, that we might take for granted that they just aren't a thing here sure. so if there's something you really really like that you think Japan um, could do with then there's every opportunity and, and there's quite an openness I think in Japan to, to foreign stuff foreign ideas yeah no there's no doubt um, about that there's no doubt about that so yeah absolutely there's, defi there's mm. definitely stuff that uh, but I it's, it's tricky um, language is obviously a bit of a barrier as well right, so right. if you can do things that are bilingual that will help or have a Japanese person on board yeah. to help you with that so we've got Japanese people translating every single word of, mm. of our escape and we're not trusting ourselves with any of the <laughs> translation yeah. and also some of the business side of things it's useful to have Japanese people sure helping you with that making yeah. sure so we've just had uh, um, to get l uh, licensed by the fire department mm. and that was that's a mountain of paperwork right, and loads right. of unnecessary money but, but you know, there's, there's no way around it right um, so yeah having Japanese people on board can help we don't have anyone any full-time staff but yeah. like um, it's a good yeah. tip Maybe Maybe. Have, you know a lawyer or an accountant yeah. and things like that yeah um, Tell me uh, where people can find you and your various projects. Well, first tell them how they can find uh, Roar. Okay, so Roar, well, where it is located is um, in the, the, the downstairs. We don't say basement, we just say downstairs <laughs> <laughs> of LNL. Yeah. Um, but you can find it on Google Maps, Roar Comedy Club. Okay. Um, and it is sort of equidistant um, between Namba, Yotsubashi, and Shinsaibashi stations yeah. so it's really super super downtown yeah do you have a homepage for that we do indeed so mm. that is uh, rorcomedy.com ror okay um, good. I'll link that and our escape room is called Escape mm. Osaka and that is escapeosaka.com okay as I said the first one the, f the first room is in Daikokucho and the second and soon third one well soon second and eventually third rooms are near Nippanbashi Excellent. And the the homepage is in English and Japanese English as well? English and Japanese, yeah. Both? Okay, excellent. You have anything final to add on? Just thank you very much for having me. Eddie. No, man, this is great. Good this is super interesting. In, yeah. in with everything in Nagoya as well. Yeah, well, we'll see how much. I don't, I don't think that's going to be long term either. So, oh, but well, uh, We look forward to having you back in Osaka. Yeah, yeah. It's, the air is totally different here, man. I, I feel... I feel totally lighter as soon as I return. It's it's feels like home for me. Oh, it's probably with the carbon monoxide, <laughs> I guess. But um, yeah. Anyway, hope yeah. to see you at the at the show later as well. I'll do my best to make it back tonight. Again, thanks again for coming. Thanks for having me.